Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Freedom of Species, where a show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Thanks to Sally for that great show of Out of the Pan. Lots of really interesting discussions around intersections between different social justice issues and, and groups and being an ally to those groups, um, etc. So, yeah, if you, if you miss that out, you can listen to that show via the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au. And you also check out Out of the Pan every week here on 3CR, Sunday 12 till 1. So I am joined by uh, my partner in the studio, who is an animal activist and has also more recently been had some involvement in animal law as well. Katie Batty, welcome back to Freedom Thanks of Species. Thanks for having me again, Nick. And yeah, I'm Nick Pendergrass hosting today and we're going to do something a bit different today. We're going to be talking about some of our experiences with uh, companion animals in our lives, animals we've shared our homes with, um, particularly our dog Charlie, who passed away a few years ago now, but I'm sure we'll refer to various animals. And I guess use this as a starting point to uh, have broader discussions investigating our relationships with other animals more generally, companion animals, other animals, etc., um, but before we get into that, we thought we'd give some uh, very topical news. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if any of you are watching the AFLW Pro- first ever Western Derby. Probably not too many in, in Melbourne when it's too Last fair night, um, so the very first game, Eagles versus Fremantle. And, and in the AFLW? Yeah, I said that, oh, AFLW. <laughs> and us both being from Perth, me being a Eagles fan and Nick being a Frio fan, we were quite keen to watch it. And... Um, uh, there was a pitch invader. Yeah, I was going to say, because I was going to say streaker, but that's not the correct. I was, no. I was wondering what the term is when that Pitch closed. invader. Okay. Um, who ran on there with a big black flag saying right to rescue mm. and basically a protest about how people that, uh, protesters that go in and show image of what's happening in um, farms, uh, the cruelty against animals are facing prison time. So a protest against that, against what in the animal community is often called ag-gag legislation, putting a gag on any exposure of uh, what happens in the agricultural animal industries. Mm. So that was interesting. Mm -hmm. And this is something we have covered on the show a bit before, not necessarily like a whole show, but it's come up on lots of different shows. And, yeah, I do think we have to be very concerned about specific legislation that targets certain groups or protects certain industries when we already have laws against trespass and these kind of things. But exactly. Like it's it's quite groups. scary to see this increasing criminalisation of uh, activity where they're essentially blowing the whistle on what's happening in these places and um, trying to show what the truth of what actually goes on. Um, and that's really concerning, like when we had our very successful animal protests in Melbourne and then our so-called progressive government, Daniel Andrews, saying we're going to criminalise these people and lock them up. And, mm. um, of course, we don't have a Bill of Rights in Australia, although we do have one in Victoria. Um, and so, yeah, that was, you know, it, it's concerning because I think we should be seeing the truth about what happens. I think if you go into a Nike sweatshop and show what's happening, um, the rea- if you were to say, oh, we're going to lock those people up for showing the truth of what's happening, the public reaction would be quite different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there have been a number of submissions. I'm not sure if this is currently open. I couldn't find it, but I know um, Vegan Australia, a group we've had on the show before, have done some work in this area. 
you can find them at veganaustralia.org.au and they've done um, yeah examples where you can actually make submissions when they're looking at these new laws and make um, submissions and can make points maybe similar That's to That's right. So made, whenever so. a new law is being proposed, mm-hmm. there's usually some level of community engagement, the mm-hmm. opportunity for anyone to make submissions yeah. um, about the law. So um, that's important. I think that's something that Vegan Australia do great work on. Exactly. So you can actually subscribe, you know, follow them on social media, but also subscribe to their email and get updates like that when this kind of legislation comes up. And either way, I think it's important to definitely keep our eyes on that prize. And uh, really, again, talking about intersections like Sally Shots, I think it's a really important issue of this idea of like social justice for animals, but also civil liberties for activists generally as well, because yep. you know, once they criminalise animal activists, there's always that sort of slippery slope of will they... Um, criminalize other ones and of course you know animal and i mean in recent yeah. more recent times trying to say that if you disrupt a legitimate business mm. for example coal mining that you could be criminalized and i remember under when they talked about proposing legislation like that technically labor the labor party could have gotten trouble for the plain packaging laws and tobacco because mm. they were interfering with a legitimate industry mm. yeah, <laughs> but everyone yeah. was on board with that with legitimate they're defined as legal I guess. legal yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like if it's legal business activities and we spoke of recently on the show um about the joaquin phoenix's documentary the animal people which looked at these issues in the u.s and yeah it's definitely worrying trends of of australia going down the u.s direction in terms of criminalizing animal activism um sometimes using words like terrorism to describe things like investigating the conditions that animals face. It's quite ironic when we're opposing the death and suffering of others and they call us terrorists Mm -hmm. when we're not actually doing any killing. Yeah. So onto the companion animals topic, which is going to be the main uh, main issue we're focusing on today, and maybe we'll um, yeah maybe we'll talk a little bit about how um, yeah I guess how we adopted some of the dogs that have been in our lives. So maybe if we start with Charlie again, who was in our lives for many years, and and well yeah so. If- do you want to work how you met Charlie? Sure, I can do. Yeah, I guess so. I um, I was getting a bus into the city. There's a Katie mentioned where from Perth. So getting a bus into the city and a dog ran across a, a busy highway, uh, Canning Highway back in Perth. Probably just not going to be a reference to many people, but a sort of, it's like a four lane, um, four lane highway, lots of cars and dog ran right across in front of the bus and nearly got hit by every single lane of traffic. Luckily didn't and ran across the road and, and sort of everyone was quite a big deal. Everyone on the bus was like, wow. And then just sort of went about their day. Yep. I, I hit the button. It was like, I better get this dog to, you know, somewhere safe, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I, I did get off the, the the bus at that point. And then I, around that time, it sort of I, I was seeing stray dogs all the time. And so I'd had obviously a lot of cases where they run away, obviously. Mm. They're scared and, you know, you don't have much luck. And in this case, especially because I was near such a busy ride, I really didn't want, want to scare him and then have him run back across the road yeah, or whatever. Yep. So he'd run into this uh, vacant block. And basically, I, um, yeah, just sort of, you know, to try and not be intimidated, I got down on my knees to try and, like, be a bit smaller mm-hmm. and just sort of try to softly encourage him to come towards me. And he ran straight up to me and put his arms around and started <laughs> licking me on the face. Aww. So he was very, very friendly and just, I just couldn't believe that he was, yeah, he didn't fit the sort of stereotype of a yeah. stray dog. He was yeah. very healthy, nice coat, so yeah. friendly and everything. And then so I um, put my, took my belt off from my jeans and then. Do you, you have a collar? 
I think he had like the yeah, little one of those little like silver kind so of things. So just a chain, yeah. but no identification. Yeah, just a chain. And so I, I there was a vet nearish by, so I took my belt off and put that on him, and then walked him to the nearest vet. And thinking that okay, he's going to be microchipped and he's going to go to that he just escaped out the yard yeah. or something like that. And so yeah, that was sort of the end of it. Or so I thought. And so I thought, thought he's so well looked after and everything, and such good temperament and everything. He's definitely going to yeah just go back to it. Yeah, back to his home. And then um, I found out that. Um, no, no one's claimed him. He's not micro. Did you follow up with the vet? Yeah, I think I followed up with the vet, and they let me know they dropped him to the pound. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, at that point, I, I definitely had no plans of getting a dog or anything like that. But I'd also had this sort of connection, and really, yeah, like, yeah really felt very attached to him. Um, but wasn't all thinking of myself. But I was like, there's no way after I rescue him, I want to see him killed in no. the pound. So I was yeah. like if someone adopts him out the pound that's great and then that's nice and get a home and if no one does then contact me yeah before you do anything exactly and then so a week or so later i saw an ad in my local paper and it had the cutest photo of him with his paws up on the desk and he looked so friendly i was like okay well he'll definitely get adopted now with that photo in the local paper Uh, a few weeks pass and sort of i think about four weeks had passed and i got the call basically saying like we're gonna kill him yeah yeah so i was like okay well just don't and i'll I'll come down and then yeah i adopted him and then um yeah he was uh, about five at the time and uh yeah he, he was with me for the next 11 years he lived to a bit he was about 16 years wow. old so yeah um and you you two were best friends indeed yeah he was yeah. your best man for mm-hmm. our commitment ceremony yeah yeah and uh the two of you <laughs> what a pair indeed. i remember the, the only time that you went away and so you went away for a few days overseas and i had him on my own and he he wouldn't leave the front door he wouldn't come into the bed to sleep. He was just waiting by the front door, slept there, waiting for you because he loved you so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, people can be very dismissive of companion animals and some people aren't. You know, some people, and they're not vegan, but they're really, you know, see that dogs and cats have these really intricate inner lives and that they love us in the same way that if they got to know a pig, they would see that too. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, he just he just loved you so much. Yeah, and likewise. But, um, yeah, and do you want to talk a little bit about So we've got, um, yeah, since then, in the last uh, couple of years, we've adopted two more. Charlie was a staffy. We've adopted two more staffies. Yeah, do you want to tell we, a bit about that story yeah, as well? Yeah, so we were um, looking to get some more staffies uh, uh, or a, bo- a bonded pair, like a pair of dogs, ideally, because they're quite hard to adopt out and we wanted to try and save some from death row. Um, unfortunately, a quarter of a million dogs are killed each year in Australia for no good reason. Mm. Um, so we're not talking about euthanizing a very sick dog. We're talking mm. about dogs that are killed just because humans are like, oh, I don't want them anymore, mm. basically. Um, and so I've been in touch with homeless hounds and they said they had three staffies that were being killed that week, uh, a bonded pair and then another another dog. And so... We said, well, we'll definitely take the, the the two of them, and we're going to try and find a home for the third one. And our friends um, fostered the third one, and then he went on to a permanent home. We were quite for a little while, we had three staffies in our apartment, which was quite full on. But now we're down to our two, and they've settled in, mother and daughter, mm-hmm. Penny and Mumu, have settled in very well, um, and it seemed very. Very happy now. Um, I'll never forget Penny's face when she was sitting on the couch with you. She just looked so happy. Like, I can't believe this is my life. We, we think they were only outdoor dogs and so they didn't get much human contact. Um, and now, of course, they're inside dogs and mm-hmm. they get three walks a day or two walks a day. And um, 
human quality um, pet food and vegan food and they're just so happy. So and uh, it's a great thing you can do personally to help an individual. Well, exactly. And on this idea of helping individuals, uh, I thought uh, maybe Katie might read this little bit of the starfish story by Lauren Isley. Yeah. So have you heard of this before, Nick? Uh, yeah, I heard about it. It's quite it. a famous story. Yeah, I, I'd only heard about it through a talk Um uh, Bead Carmody gave a talk on activist burnout and just gave us a bunch of resources, and this mm-hmm. was one of them that kind of yeah. I remember me, so, seeing yeah. reading this in primary school. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So one day, an old man was walking along a beach that was littered with thousands of starfish who had been washed ashore by the high tide. As he walked, he came upon a young boy who was eagerly throwing the starfish back into the ocean one by one. Puzzled, the man looked at the boy and asked what he was doing. Without looking up from his task, the boy simply replied, "I'm saving these starfish, sir." The old man chuckled aloud. Son, there are thousands of starfish and only one of you. What difference can you make? The boy picked up a starfish, gently tossed into the water, turning to the man said, I made a difference to that one. Yeah, and I think that is very relevant to the idea of companion animals. So, you know, us rescuing Penny and Moo Moo or or me rescuing Charlie um, before I was with Katie, like you know, that doesn't end all the suffering in animal agriculture, for example. That is still an overwhelming thing that's going on. Um, So in a way, like it doesn't... Billions, it's literally billions killed Mm. each year. Yeah. Like, so around 10 billion in the US. And I think they often don't take into account um, animals that live in the sea, like fish, Mm. which really increase it. Yeah. And that can be really overwhelming. Mm. Once you start to realise that you've been part of this, because most of us haven't been raised vegan, when you start to realise you've been part of this system and that it seems that no one cares, especially thinking back to me like 12 years ago when I first went um, vegetarian, was it 13 years ago, and then vegan a year later, it's really overwhelming and it can just really get you down. I think if people who do rescues with farmed animals as well, um, you know, one of our friends who rescued a pig and then ended up with criminal charges of theft, mm. saving this young pig's life. Because animals are property under exactly. the law. Exactly. Animals yeah. are property. So every animal except humans are property mm. under the law. Um and what you can do legally to uh, a farmed animal like a pig, you cannot do legally to a cattle dog. You'd be charged with a criminal offence, even though there's there's no um, difference in terms of their central nervous system ability to feel pain and pleasure and things like that. And in fact, um, pigs are considered more intelligent than like cats, for example. Not that I think that matters, mm-hmm. but what you can do, you know, to a to a pig versus dogs is just horrific. And so we can't save them all well we can do vegan education hopefully get more people to go vegan and to stop buying leather and things like that but the individuals you can save that is really important and it's Mm. really it makes you feel a lot better about things because we know that if we didn't take penny and moomoo they would be dead right now Mm -hmm. and they were given up because the owner said we have kids we can't afford them anymore Mm -hmm. even though they were breeding penny so probably selling her puppies and making money out of her puppies and that's people's attitude. So, the, and uh, under our law, they're like, okay, you can't, all right, they're killed. That's fine. Mm. Totally legal. Go kill them. Just like if you had a couch and you want to get rid of it, you can chuck it in the tip and yeah, that's fine. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's no there's no repercussions to that. In some countries like Sweden, where you need a permit to have a, a dog or a cat, if you gave them up like that for no good reason, then you may not be allowed to own another dog or cat again. Mm. Um and I, I should say we're differentiating from people who, are f- because of their situation, are forced to give them up. Um, people who move into nursing homes, for example, or get very sick, um, that's a very different situation. But this scenario where it's like, oh, well, I've got kids, so I, you know we have kids now, we can't afford them, I'm just going to give them up. Mm. Uh, 
that's how cold and different. That's completely allowed under our law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so in a way with all these, you know, this, you know, staggering number of animals being killed every year, et cetera, it can feel like, well, save it like the starfish story, saving this one individual won't sort of change the world or whatever. But as Katie touched on, maybe with Penny, for example, sitting on the couch will make a world of difference for that one individual. Yeah. I think that's really important. And and people would, if, it were, if we're talking about children mm. and we're talking about um, the number of children that are in, um, you know, are in residential care or that need homes and especially worldwide, uh, people wouldn't say, well, what's the point like ad- adopting one kid out of that or fostering one kid? Mm. You know, there's there's thousands and millions worldwide that need homes. Mm. They'd say, I saved that child and that made such a difference to that child's life. Mm-hmm. It does have a huge impact. And one analogy I heard at a critical animal studies conference years ago was when we're looking at animals, do we see the forests or the trees? And so we could think about like the trees is like, you know, we're focusing on adopting these two individuals, say in the case of Penny and Moo Moo, and we're going to try and take really care of them, really good care of them. I think it's important to not just see the trees and also look at these bigger issues of the forest, of the animal agriculture and animal testing and all all these issues. So not losing sight of of the forest, I guess. The bigger picture. But yeah. also focusing on the trees as well, the individuals yeah. that we can tangibly help as well. Yeah, and yeah. I think a part of it can also come back to, in philosophy, they call the ethics of care, mm-hmm. um, which is a um, philosophy that developed out of looking at how um, um, females responded to ideas of ethics versus males. And obviously, um, you know, it's, it's socialised aspects of women and girls raised to be more caring and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that there's a biological reason why women are more caring than men, but... Um, that was just showing that what can you do for that individual in that situation in terms of ethics of care? If you see a dog being run over, can you go and help that dog or, or that kangaroo? Um, and that doesn't stop the fact that millions are going to be killed by transport every year, but it does make a difference in that case. Yeah, and I think when it comes to adopting companion animals rather than you know, rather than breeding them um, yourself or buying from a pet shop or a so-called responsible breeder or mm-hmm. whatever the case is. It's just, it's a very clear thing of like, if you if you have the capacity, if you can, if you want to share your home with a companion animal, whether it's a, a dog or whatever other species, you can be, you know, you can choose to be part of the problem by buying or breeding, um, you know, new dogs when there already are those who are living out miserable lives in shelters or being killed in shelters as Katie you pointed out or you can adopt and be part of the solution which means an animal is taken out of that situation mm-hmm. or their life is saved and yep. so it's such a clear-cut thing of the right thing to do it's like again there's some complex issues when it comes to animals and introduced species and how do we deal with that and that kind of thing there are some complex things but i think when it comes to adopting rather than buying from pet shops or mm. breeders it's so obvious in this case yeah it's quite clear yeah and i think another in the in the case of uh companion animals being killed in um pounds um, there's this idea of like the, receiving the death penalty, mm-hmm. it, but for, there's no, not even, uh, there's not even a suggestion that they've committed any crime mm. in this case. So I'd imagine a lot of 3CR listeners, um, I'm certainly one of them, who is against the death penalty for humans. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm 100% sure they committed a murder or something like that, I'm against the death penalty. But then we, you know, uh, sort of extending that to animals, mm. um, there are some people who kind of in a way, you know, maybe without even thinking about it too much, but accept the death penalty for animals mm-hmm. um, when there's not even any kind of suggestion they've committed a crime. Mm. And obviously that comes to companion animals. Yeah. 
animals mm. who are just, you know, there's too many because people are doing the wrong thing. They're irresponsible or, and they're allowed to be irresponsible because mm. they're just property. Yeah. And, and I think that um, it's... It, a lot of uh, non-animal people could relate as well as refugees. You know, they've committed no crime and yet they're locked up in prisons effectively mm-hmm. for committing no crime. And animals, it's it's the same thing. Yeah, and obviously the same of those in animal agriculture or used for, you know, leather and these kind of, yeah, clothing and all these kind of things, uh, no crime. And, yeah, to think of the the case of our dogs, Penny and Moo Moo. So Penny is the mum and Moo Moo is the daughter and Penny is really protective over her daughter. Mm. And just to think that, like, there's no nothing that she could actually do no. to protect her daughter in that case. Yeah. So they'd both be killed and it's just, there's just nothing. Yeah. They're just so helpless. And, yeah. just really and sad. I yeah. think that's why often I'm, I, if I hear about violent cases against animals, it often affects me more in the way that it affects me more if it's done to someone with like a severe disability mm. because they are so vulnerable. That's, mm. I think, the, the worst part of it. And mm. I think that if people, um, when they're thinking about is it ethical to kill an animal or not, oh, well, can they think about it, can they argue with me against it, mm. whatever. But if you have someone with a severe disability, they might not be able to do that. Mm. It's the same kind of thing. They're, they're yeah. very powerless, and yet we use our power to abuse um, such a defenceless person. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get on to that later, actually. A lot of the time when um, philosophy is uh, speciesist, when it sort of devalues animals, often it it, um, it actually is also um, ableist against people with disabilities and classist mm. as well, and we'll, we'll get on to that as well. But also, I guess, this notion of, you know, humane killing of animals, where the, as long as it, it doesn't uh, cause them to, or the least amount of pain... And we're talking about farmed of, animals here. We're not I, know, about... I, was, I was talking about companion animals. Oh, okay, even, but... So. Right, I yeah. mean, I, I guess we're differentiating from euthanasia for a sick animal exactly. in the same way that I support euthanasia for, you know, terminally ill humans. Yeah, yeah. Um, but differentiating that, killing them just because the human said, well, I don't want them mm. or they're a defective, you know, breed. Mm. Um, they've, You know, we had a friend with a dog with a um, cleft lip and it's like, mm. okay, well, we're going to kill the puppy because I'm a breeder and they're not worth anything. And our friend took that. That little puppy, and oh, they're so cute. Um, yeah, that yeah, even if it's done humanely, we yeah. wouldn't say, well, just because the death penalty is done humanely, that means it's okay. Mm-hmm. The death yeah. penalty is wrong. No matter what, mm-hmm. we shouldn't have the death penalty, and it shouldn't be applied to animals just because they're a different species to humans. Yeah, exactly. And so the idea that you know, in this case, Penny and Moo Moo could have been killed, in inverted commas, hu- inverted commas humanely um, through an injection, etc., um, that doesn't ignores the fact that you're still harming them because they enjoy their lives and they want to live out their lives. And again, making those connections to animals in agriculture as well, whose lives are cut short well before they'd otherwise live to. 30 again, days for yeah. a... Um for a chicken, that's broiler chicken. Yeah, well, meat, I mean, six weeks. those who are male basically right away yep, as well. Instantly, so, yeah. so, yeah, it's like, you know, of course we can kill just like we can kill humans in, in more and less harmful ways, you know, not, not genuine euthanasia, but in, in the case of murdering humans. And obviously the same for animals. Of course it can be done in better or worse ways. But if we just focus on that, we ignore the fact that cutting their lives short um, is imposing a harm in itself. So, yeah, we'll, we'll go to a track in a moment but i wanted to also mention the subscriber drive so this week is um, a subscriber drive at 3cr trying to encourage people to become subscribers of the station and yeah it is really important 3cr does not accept corporate funding and therefore we rely on the support of our listeners um, and so i think it is really important this lack of corporate funding when it comes to things like the climate emergency obviously if we were if we were taking ads from fossil fuel companies yeah we had to turn uh, bhp down the other day <laughs> <laughs> 
if we were taking money from fossil fuel companies, from animal agriculture companies, etc., it'd be really hard to you know, address these industries that cause a lot of environmental. Although, harm. have you so, seen that ad saying that BHP is actually good for the planet? Nick? <laughs> well, I haven't heard on three CR anyway. <laughs> That's one thing I can say. So, yeah, you won't hear ads. We obviously play community announcements, but there's no corporate funding which allows three CR to you know stand up for these social justice issues, challenge these industries, and do shows like our shows right here challenge animal industries because we are not funded by them so yeah really encourage people to donate you can find all the information at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe and we're going to go to a track now this is a flight of the concord song uh, adam from freedom of species played a flight of the concord song uh, a while back and i quite enjoyed that so i thought i'd play one this one is called the prince of parties and this one just reminded me of our dog charlie whenever there was a, a party or gathering or commitment ceremony or any kind of event it didn't matter whose birthday or whatever it was always for for charlie because he was the prince of parties so <laughs> he loved but, to party yeah so yeah we're going to play this track and uh you are listening to freedom of species on 3CR and we're discussing our relationship with companion animals. I am the pretty prince of parties, you're a tasty piece of pastry, you're so lighty flighty flaky, I go where the party takes me. I'm a picture of holy water Oh pretty prince of parties, where's the party now? I don't know Oh pretty prince of parties, where does water go? I let it flow Oh pretty prince of parties, can I come to your party? No Oh pretty prince of parties, where do you get your clothes? Well made pretty particles, crocheted of snow I'm the Mickey Maury Minstrel, you're the high priestess of tinsel I'm the guru god of Ganja, Ramashalanka, Lanka, Ravi Shankar Looking for an easy way to keep up with your annual 3CR subscription? You can now set up an annual debit from your bank account or credit card and once a year your payment will be automatically deducted. You can cancel at any time and you'll get a reminder each year before payment. Be a constant supporter of Melbourne's precious independent community radio station and set up a recurring payment today. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to Freedom of Species, bringing you animal advocacy on the airwaves of 3CR Radical Radio. 
and I am joined by Katie Batty discussing companion animals and um, our experiences of living with companion animals as a starting point to investigate our relationships with animals more broadly. And yeah, this week is the subscriber drive on 3CR, encouraging people to support the show. So yeah, I thought I'd hand it over to Katie. Anything you want to say about supporting 3CR with a subscription? Yeah, I guess I think that it's more important, more vital than ever um, with what we're seeing right now with um, the way that we've really woken up to the realities of climate change in Australia and yet we've seen in the Murdoch media complete climate denialism despite Rupert Murdoch saying no one in working at News Corp um, Mm -hmm. denies climate change is real. And what watch media watch for how that is not true. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think um, it's even more important now that we have these kinds of alternative voices and um, I just bought a digital radio so that I can um, tune in because I was having problems tuning in on the website. I think you can use a tune-in radio app. Yeah, I use that. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so that I can listen and it's just – I love that crisp digital sound. Mm, it's but, yeah, it's, it's nice to just <laughs> – buy, buy a digital radio now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's just nice to um, – to, I, I know when we used to have our own old alarm clock radio and you turn it on, it's like, oh, God, what are, what are they saying on ABC about federal politics kind of – you know, the, the crap that goes on there. And I, it's just kind of refreshing to, um, you know, put on like the, the I think particularly the breakfast shows. Which, which one is your favourite breakfast show? Um, yeah, I really enjoy the Tuesday, Tuesday breakfast, breakfast show. That, yeah, for example. But yeah, there's some other great ones. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. very refreshing to hear them, you know, just talking about um, corporate greed and the need for action on climate change. It's just very, you know, in a very direct kind of way. Mm. So I think that's that's really important. And, um, yeah, there's just – there's so many great shows. I mean, I like – I go through the, the list and have a look at, like, the amount of different kinds of things that are discussed, which are really important. So, you know, it's good that you can just podcast what you want, but just mm. chuck it on, especially the breakfast stuff to hear, you know, some of the news of the day. Um, and it's only $35 if you're unwaged or concession, $75 waged or 150 for solidarity or a band or an organisation. So I think it's, uh, yeah, pretty – pretty reasonably reasonably priced so mm-hmm. i'm going to be signing up so oh, you can count on me <laughs> yeah and if you do want to support our show specifically when you sign up you can choose to show freedom of species obviously when when you subscribe um and also a reminder if anyone is already a member or has already subscribed last year a reminder to renew and thanks for your support last year as well um also i wanted to briefly mention on tuesday morning breakfast madison from freedom of species is now a regular host of that show as well so listen in uh, even more to hear madison as well on that show um and yeah you can sign up online in person over the phone or by post i just uh, how do people turn up in person i just think it's funny. well it's convenient but walk I mean, to smith street yeah up, or by post well, I mean, most people are going to be doing it online i know but you're you're probably thinking of a younger audience i think yeah. maybe older people might be more likely to find those other methods i thought three well. i would have more of a younger we probably do but i'm sure they're sure there's a range of people um mm. so yeah if anyone who've been fighting the cause for decades good on you yeah no there are definitely a bunch of um presenters who have been doing that like uh joe toscano on anarchist world this week has been yeah. doing this stuff for decades. i remember he said he used to jump over ba- barricades now he slides under them so what 
He used to jump over bar- like protest barricades. Oh, because like- he's, he's older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, lots of great shows to support. And, yeah, the, the phone number, and, again, you find this all at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Um, but, yeah, for anyone who is, um, for whatever reason, not very uh, computer literate or doesn't use internet much or whatever, the phone number. Yeah, I should number- say that there's not everyone can, you know, can use a computer. Yeah. So, so the phone number is 94198377. That's nine. 94- Four one nine eight three seven seven. That would just be during business hours, I'm guessing. Yeah, Monday to Friday. Yeah, for the office. Yeah. Yeah, and I did also want to mention one thing that we hardly ever mention, but you can actually text in if anyone wants to text in any maybe examples from your own companion animals or any feedback on this show or anything like that. Uh, if you're listening live, you can text us on o four eight 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 o nine eight five five. That's o eight o four eight eight. 809-855 if you want to text in and we'll get that up on the screen and we can read you out on the air if you'd like that. So we're going to get back to the companion animals topic and yeah, we want to talk a little bit about um, yeah our, our dog Charlie right at the end of his life last couple of years um, as is you know common for older dogs um, faced cancer in his last few years and um, we did you know go through a lot of treatments for that. Um, did and- we sign up for every possible treatment yeah exactly vaccine yeah radiation chemo Mm -hmm. yeah we did everything we can and uh, on a side note as well i have definitely seen articles over the years of like oh these people are spending 20 grand on their animals like it's some frivolous kind of thing yeah like look at these inner city people and they spend this money on a dog exactly just a dog they've just got too much money on their hands and like in our case i think we had about like 300 something dollars in our account like combined and i think we like put the first like pretty much all of that towards one medication and got loans and all it wasn't like this thing of having too much money on our hands it was more about like you know just as we would for ourselves if yeah. we had health injury like charlie was a part of our family yeah and we were going to do and like thank god we live in australia and we have medicare and a lot mm. of these treatments you know not all of them we haven't got a I should point that out as well like even for people with cancer mm. um still have to pay quite a bit out of pocket but because we have a, we live in a species society, none of that is going to be covered by the government. So all of it is going to be out of pocket. Mm-hmm. So we did spend a lot of money and it was worth it, absolutely, and we mm-hmm. would do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not seen as frivolous to spend that money on your child or mm. other family members. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just basically speciesism that die. Of course, that individual is important, so you must be doing it because you've got too much money on your hands. And I wanted to give an example from a vet. This was a vet back in Perth, and we were talking about the different treatments um, for the cancer. And one thing he was saying to me, I can't remember the exact numbers, or something like this will cost like $8,000. It's only about 15 to 20% effective, but it doesn't really have any negative signs side effects and it's like do we do this and one, one thing the vet said was like if this was your car mm. there's no way you'd pay eight thousand dollars yeah. for something that only has a 15 20 percent effect rate yeah um but if it was for a human yeah we absolutely of course you'd do that like yeah. eight thousand dollars if you could afford it if, talking if you about could, yeah. you know keeping your loved one alive exactly so i was thinking that like even that quite simple example of going to the vet and i've got no idea about that vet yeah you know, it's probably quite likely that vet doesn't maybe doesn't extend that same logic beyond companion animals. Unlikely they're, you know, yeah. a, 
you know, vegan activist kind of person. Exactly. Yeah. So they may not have that same logic towards pigs and cows or whatever, but at least when it came to, you know, my dog in that case, it was like, yeah, that there's a really good chance to go like, do you view your companion animal um, as, you know, similar to your car as mm. they're viewed under the law or are they more similar to humans as in like an individual that has... Can, that can you love that, yeah. and it's not a purely a financial thing like it would be yeah. with a car. Exactly. And also, again, if we are thinking that if we do accept that for our dogs, you know, should we... <laughs> Again, we think we should also extend that to pigs, cows who who are just as sort of sentient and just have these individual and varying personalities, just like dogs do as well. Um, and also, I guess on the more um, more practical level, I also wanted to encourage people to uh, look into pet insurance. Um, it is very expensive, but yeah, you know, we we definitely would have benefited from having it in the case Charlie because we did spend so much at the end, which we were happy to do, but did put us under a lot of uh, financial stress. Um, so yeah, definitely consider it if you are someone. Hopefully, you are someone who would do whatever they can to uh, prolong your animals' lives. Again, as we would if if any of us in a humane way. Not if they're very ill, oh, yeah. but if, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and you should you need to insure them before they're ten years mm-hmm. old. Mm-hmm. So um, we made sure when we adopted Penny, she was under ten because mm-hmm. they won't insure them after that. Um, yep. They won't insure pre-existing conditions. Yeah. Uh, but um, just so you, uh, for an example that so. It, you know, it may seem like a lot per month, especially the premiums can be quite high if you've got an older dog, mm. but 50% of dogs over 10 will get cancer. Mm-hmm. So when you consider that um, and the cost of cancer, I think we spent about $18,000 in one year on Charlie. Mm. If you compare that with, I think it would be, is it going to be about two grand this year for Penny? Um, I think or it's about 1200 or something. Yeah. 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 So. It's definitely worth it in the long run if you're the kind of person that would um, try to, you know, um, give them treatments that would save their lives. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you, do you want to recommend the pet insurance? You did a lot of research. I on did it. do a lot of research. So again, we're no, no corporate funding. None of this is uh, supported. But just in terms of my research, in terms of who got, who has got the best reviews, etc. Um, we went with Pet Insurance Australia, who have got um, the best, yeah, pretty much the highest reviews. Another one that was quite good, and I was very impressed from speaking to them, even though we didn't end up going with. Them, but they're also quite highly ranked was Bow Wow Meow. Oh, that's as a well. cute name. <laughs> yeah, so that, 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 that another one I think would to recommend. Um, also, um, Pet Secure was one that I believe Choice recommended. Um, but the reason why we didn't go with them is because they don't have the option of basically we, it, there's no excess on that. So we, mm. we pay a lower rate, but we have to pay the first $200 or whatever. But look look, in, yep. look into the reviews and, and see what is right for you, I guess, in mm. terms of you know, the, the companies that are out there. And I did, was also thinking about this when I was, um, yeah, sitting at the vet with Charlie and I'm surrounded by all these people who, you know, are paying, also paying, you know, thousands of dollars, you know, to preserve their, their animals' lives and, and again, c- continue for them to live um, long and happy lives. And, and thinking about this in terms of um, a lot of those other people won't be, would not be vegan and will mm-hmm. be eating animals. And, and I think that doesn't mean that, you know, that their, yeah, their love for their companion animals is somehow fake. And I think that is genuine people in our lives are, you know, they do eat animals, but they do like love their dogs mm-hmm. and really, you know, and even other animals too. Like they interact Sometimes with Sometimes even more than some vegan people yeah, we know, which exactly. is quite strange, isn't it? So it, it definitely is genuine. But just thinking about like paying all this extra money for this one animal. Um, but then when it comes to veganism, 
journalism, um, one thing that stuck with me is I, I gave a talk with uh, a speaker called James Aspie, who's a very well-known speaker in the vegan movement. And he was talking about switching from dairy to non-dairy milk. And he was saying, all you do is he sort of had his, his like hand up in the supermarket and moved it over about yeah, 30 yeah. centimetres from yeah. dairy milk to the non-dairy milk. Yeah. And of course, there's all these cultural things and there's habit. It is more complex than that. But thinking about like people yeah, really going above and beyond to save this one animal, which is great, mm-hmm. but also people can... Um, cut animal products out of their diets without spending any more money. Some people save money in some cases. Mm, I know people um, say, oh, vegan is too expensive. Mm, but if mm. you think that the basics for a vegan diet, fruit, vegetables, chickpeas, lentils, it's actually very cheap mm-hmm. to, to live like that. You don't have to buy the mock meats and the other kind of fancy products, which are still mm. nice to have as mm. well. But um, it can be actually very cheap. If you consider the cost of meat, mm can be really high. Yeah, yeah, particularly if you go for the so-called humane stuff mm-hmm. as well as there's really um, pump up the price as well. And this is something that we're not going to be able to cover um, in a lot of detail, but we have um, covered on the show before. Um, but yeah, Charlie was a, a vegan, uh, ate a vegan diet from... From, from when you got five, in? Yeah, five until he was 16. So the whole 11 years he was with me. Um, and it was interesting um, when he was about $15 when a vet saw him. They, $15? You mean 15, 15 years? 15 yeah, I know where I get dollars from. Um, he was worth fifteen dollars. What? No. Sounds very suspicious. Yeah. When he was about fifteen years old, one of the vets that saw him, who, who didn't know he was vegan at, th- at this point, but um, was saying like, if he had to guess seeing him, he'd say he'd be about seven or eight years of old. Wow, well, so, so based like on, half the- based on his health, based on his appearance, etc. And I remember another example with Charlie when he was uh, ten years old, not ten dollars old, but when he was um, ten years old, uh, someone met him and they're like, oh yeah, how old is and I said, oh, he's about 10. And, okay, 10 months. Yeah, they no thought worries. he was a puppy. Yeah, they were like, oh, he must he couldn't He's so happy years. and energetic yeah, and so healthy. Exactly. So he definitely definitely thrived on that vegan diet. And, and it, you had a very – one of the other dogs you rescued who was mm, very ill, mm-hmm. you know, starving, broken leg. And yeah. tell us about her being on the vegan diet. Yeah, yeah. So she I adopted her and she'd been astray and I think possibly like fending for herself for quite yeah, some time Yeah, so she was well. in a bad state. Unlike Charlie, she yeah. was in a bad oh, state. Oh, yeah. She had a permanently – sorry, a, a crushed bone in her leg and she was like skin and bone when yep. I got her. And within about two weeks and again on a fully vegan diet, she was like perfect weight, mm. very healthy. And I should yeah. say when we say vegan diet, we're not just feeding them vegetables. It's mm. a – it's a vegan vegan pet food, mm-hmm. which is developed in a lab by um, university researchers. It has 100% of all the needs for, for the dogs. Dogs are scavengers and omnivores. They can live very easily on a vegan diet. Mm. Um, so it, we're not talking about just feed them some veggies. We're very yeah. much science, evidence-based kind of people. So yeah. Um, And, yeah, Andrew Knight, who's a vet and an academic, um, runs uh, Veggie Pets, V-E-G-E, Pets.info website, mm. which has a lot of information about vegan animals uh, and, yeah, really uh, good kind of scientific approach to yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And I guess he, one of his main points is that no species needs any particular foods. We just need certain nutrients. Yeah, same so, as humans, yeah, right? Exactly. So, you know, if, if you need iron B12 and you can't get sufficient with your vegan diet there are supplements that are animal based that you can take Uh, sorry not animal not animal based yeah exactly and i do remember you know when we were trying to adopt i remember just mentioning to the one of the adoption agencies about the vegan diet now very kind of unsure Mm -hmm. and stuff and even someone um i met who was you know rescued animals and like we were kind of having a good conversation it's kind of like oh we're we're kind of on the same thing and like Mm, same page same page and then i mentioned feeding the dogs a vegan diet and like she actually sort of almost moved back from me 
wow. like, oh, wow, we're no longer like, oh, that's very mm. kind of strange. But it's actually, you know, the same logic with, that made me adopt that animal was the same reason I feed my animals a vegan diet because I don't want animals killed unnecessarily. And mm-hmm. again, th- th- there's vegan pep, there's other complete vegan foods out there for dogs. Um, with basically, again, it has all the nutrients they need. Um, so there's others you can look into it and, and choose a brand that's good for you. But um, yeah, it's like, I guess we've got two responsibilities to the animal or to animals in general if we have companion animals as far as I see it and that is to give our you know our dogs in this case uh, food that is healthy it gives them all their nutrients food that they enjoy and I also feel like I've got a responsibility to the other animals you know pigs sheep mm-hmm. chickens kangaroos etc um, to not feed them to my mm-hmm. companion animals mm-hmm. if I don't need to which yeah. I definitely don't yeah. so yeah. yeah you can check out the and it's ju- like the pellets are human grade so when people mm-hmm. talk about the pet food that they get their dogs, it's actually not human grade because it's stuff that they scrape off the floor of the slaughterhouse. It's yeah, pretty it, gross. in most cases, obviously. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. some high quality yeah. ones. But. Um, but yeah, go to veggiepets.info. You can also find uh, Andrew Knight talking about ve- vegan, uh, yeah, veterinarian and Andrew Knight talking about that issue on our show. You can find all our old shows at freedomofspecies.org as well as on iTunes and the 3CR site. Um, but yeah, getting back to the subscriber drive, which we're promoting today, um, moving beyond our show specifically and just talking about 3CR, generally one thing they did and they've done every year for ages is uh, covered the Invasion Day um, protest, uh, yes. Indigenous yep. people um, speaking back against the celebration of basically the theft of, of Australia from them. Um, and you can hear that at 3cr.org.au forward slash Invasion Day 2020. And that has a bunch of speeches from that rally it has analysis from uh, Robbie Thorpe and others as well in the studio etc they've also been playing a bunch of talks from that on Tuesday breakfast as well so listening to Tuesday breakfast I believe that is 7 till 8 30 on um, obviously Tuesday mornings and I've also been enjoying um, hearing Robbie Thorpe on the radio on a bunch he's on a few different shows one of them is black and deadly Friday 11 till 12 and always making great points about the history is that of 11 a.m yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't be, yeah, listening. Actually, I probably could be, but you I wasn't. You podcast yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it is 11 a.m. till midday. Um, and also he's had, uh, I didn't catch this person's name, but someone from South Africa and making connections between apartheid in South Africa and treatment of Indigenous people mm. in Australia, et cetera. So lots of really interesting discussions on Black and Deadly. So, yeah, Indigenous voices, lots of uh, groups and ideas that aren't represented well in um, more traditional and mainstream media. So, yeah, encourage you to subscribe again 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe and we're going to go to a track now and this is propaganda without love and this is yeah i guess talking about this idea of yeah charlie and going through the cancer treatment and everything i thought this song was um yeah very relevant um to this and um yeah very powerful song talking about his cat anything you want to say about this one katie no or, it's just know? it's beautiful quite sad but yeah beautiful song yeah And you're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR, subscriber show, talking about companion animals today. All in nature ends in tragedy and I was the first to finally fade away from my
Robbie Thorpe. I'm with 3CR Community Radio. Every year we have a subscription drive. It's a way of supporting our organisation maintain itself through the year and we rely on the support of the, the community. One way to do that is to subscribe and become a member. Become part of this organisation itself. Get in contact with 3CR. You can go to the website 3cr.org.au or you can ring on 94198377 ensures that our voices aboriginal voices are heard on this radio station so it's a good way of supporting aboriginal people as well by becoming a subscriber for 3CR community radio Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio. And we just heard from Robbie Thorpe, um, yeah, promoting the subscription drive. Really encourage people. Great if you support our show. But, again, support Robbie's show. Support, yeah, all the shows on 3CR. Any any show is well worth just, uh, subscribing to. Anything else you can say, Katie, before we... Oh, I was just thinking about um, uh, how important 3CR has been in, in covering the um, Jatwarong sacred trees mm-hmm. and, and the embassy and reporting on that. I know that they've just sent out an email asking for more people to come down and to support that. Mm. So I think that's something that's been uh, really important that they've been covering. And I think that just living in Australia, it continues to be, you know, one of the the darkest stains in Australia is continuing history around treatment of Indigenous people. So the fact that there are, you know, it's, it's not just like we've, we've got one Indigenous show here at 3CR, we've got many Indigenous programs that are talking about these issues is really important. And um, we as the part of the, the white kind of um, you know, invaders of this country need to be listening to Aboriginal people, Torres Strait Islander people and thinking about what what can we do to help support them. So I think that's like a really important reason to join. Definitely. So, yeah, final time, you can go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. You can find the prices. You can find all those different ways, the phone number. Everything is there on that website. So take a look at that. We've been discussing companion animals today, and we're just going to finish up with a hypothetical scenario. It's called the lifeboat scenario. Um, I've got this from an article by Corey Wren, How to Help When It Hurts, Think Systemic, in the Animal Studies Journal 2018. But it's a it's been something that's been debated over the decade. 
case is just her interpretation of it or whatever. Um, or do you want to read that, Katie? Maybe? Sure. Yeah. So in this imagined conflict between dogs and humans on a boat too small, drowning neither a human nor a dog for the survival of the others on board would be desirable. But humans present a stronger case for appreciating life and fearing death and would perhaps be better served by salvation. So Reagan, Tom Reagan. Yeah, I should say this is not what Corey Wren's argued. She's outlining uh, Tom Reagan, who was right. a philosopher on animal rights, yep. talking about. Uh, yeah. And so Tom Reagan says, if some groups must suffer and die in a true situation of conflict, let it be those who appreciate life less. Yeah. So he's again, saying it's more ethical to let the dogs drown yeah. than the human. And again, that that was sort of Corey Wren paraphrasing. That's not necessarily his words exactly, but basically he was like, yeah, humans are more important. So even though he was an animal rights philosopher, he still thought that humans, yeah, Because they can them. appreciate life and fear death in a greater sense than Exa- animals. Exactly. Possibly. And I was just thinking again from um, our dog Charlie, who have mentioned throughout the show, um, to, to say that he appreciated his life less than me is so... In, I think he appreciated a lot more than it's I do, very, to be honest. very, very very ignorant. Charlie yeah. really lived in the moment. Mm-hmm. He loved going outside and you see a dog like going for a walk. such a joy for them and mm-hmm. he really appreciated nature and then at night he, he would go out and sit on the couch and do this little kind of meditation, this mm-hmm. little quiet time at night where he'd just sit out there by himself. He appreciated life so much. In fact, he inspired me to try to appreciate my life more. Yeah, um, It's ridiculous to say that. But also the fearing death. I mean, there are a lot of videos of animals before slaughter. Mm. Believe me, they fear their death immensely. Yeah. Um, so I think that's quite ridiculous. But also coming back to what I was saying earlier, that you know I have it upsets me more to hear a story of animal cruelty or cruelty against someone with a severe kind of disability or you know very young children and babies because they are so vulnerable. So you know a human with a severe disability cannot philosophize in the same way as a human without that kind of disability can. Um, so to say that it's okay, well, it's, it's better to let the dog die because they can't philo- philosophize in that way, mm. that wouldn't apply to every human. Yeah. Um, wouldn't apply to, to, to babies. But does that mean that we would care less about it or think that's okay? We wouldn't. Yeah. And I often thought about this uh, this scenario and, yeah, again, even a lot of you know, sort of pro-animal philosophers like, you know, Reagan and, and Singer often accept this line. Um, France, Gary Francione rejects it. I'm with Francione on that. Um, but, yeah, I was often thinking about this when I was walking along the river with, um, with our dog Charlie we back in Perth we lived right near the river I'd walk along the river and I'd think like am I enjoying this more than Charlie I'm, like, I'm really enjoying this mm-hmm. this is nice but mm-hmm. I really think Charlie is enjoying yeah. this more like Charlie like people would see Charlie walking and just they'd get big smiles on their face so or, happy or someone would say he's dancing he's the way dancing, he's walking, walking. Little, he's just, so jointy just so happy so I'm like he's enjoying more this more than me and I think a lot of these philosophers are like humans are more important because we can philosophize and mm. that kind of thing and I'm someone who likes philosophizing here I am in my free time philosophizing Right. Yeah, yep. But like, I'm not sure if that's the thing I most enjoy doing. I might enjoy walking along the river more than yep. that, for example. And again, Charlie's enjoying that more than me. So again, it gets back this idea that it's not only anti-animal, but also there are certain humans who um, can't philosophize, like uh, people with severe mental disabilities, mm-hmm. for example. Uh, and I don't think that makes them Babies. less important. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, but not only that, even from like, um, they're very unaware of their class background because they spend a lot of time philosophizing. Yep. They think that's the 
ultimate thing. For, and and that, that's something that humans, you know, yeah, that's the best thing for humans exactly, to do. Exactly. That's the most enjoyable thing. And it's like so many people, uh, uh, they enjoy other things much more. So to say that that is the one thing that we value most, it's like they're so unaware of their own positionality. They're unaware mm. of their own thing. This well, is what it's quite I a do. privileged thing if you actually can can take the time to philosophize and think of theories and everything as opposed to just being part of a struggle. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're actually part of quite a privileged group. Yeah, exactly. So I thought we'd finish but, up. And, and oh. some of these philosophers, you know, are also like Peter Singer think it's okay to kill young children with disabilities, for example. Yeah, so, yeah, extreme disabilities, we should say. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah, I think, yeah. you know, rather... And, you know, we, we're pro-abortion and we're, we're very pro-life people because <laughs> we think that you, we should, you know, we're against the death penalty and we against wars and we think that we should keep animals alive and I just think that that's... You know, I just think that, that that is a really ethical way to be. So we better wrap things up. If you've got any feedback on the show, we always appreciate hearing from listeners at info at freedomofspecies.org. If you want to email us, connect with us on social media. Uh, make sure you stay tuned for Encyclopedia. And if you're an Encyclopedia listener tuning in early, I encourage you to subscribe and support Encyclopedia as well. I'm just going to finish up with something. This is from the acknowledgements of my PhD. I think it sums up some of the things that we said. There's something that was in my PhD that was published but while Charlie was still with us. But I'm going to finish with this. So this was, again, the acknowledgements in my thesis, which was all about animal rights. Finally, I'd like to thank my dog, Charlie, for being an amazing companion and for constantly, for constantly showing me that we are not the only species who have complex emotional lives. So I thought we'd finish with that. We're going to finish up with a song which is sort of about, dedicated to Charlie. I thought of Charlie with this. I, I did used to listen to hippie music when I was a kid because of my parents. So it's John <laughs> Lennon, um, Beautiful Boy, Darling Boy. And this is, um, yeah, a song that John Lennon wrote devoted to his son. So I thought of this kind of uh, in light of Charlie. So, yeah, we're going to finish up... Um, uh, with, with this one so yeah this is John Lennon beautiful boy darling boy
take my hand. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.